Good afternoon to those of you on the East Coast and good morning to those of you in, on the West Coast. My name is Felix Shipkovich and I'm uh, joined today by my co-host Bianca Petku. Um, welcome back to our regulatory webinar series and today uh, we will begin part one of two-part webinar series that will focus on the TSR rule, the telemarketing sales rule. The title of our webinar is The Inception and Evolution of the Telemarketing Sales Rule in the Debt Relief and Credit Repair Industries. Um, we have a lot to discuss and we've decided to specifically divide the subject matter into two areas. Today we'll cover how the TSR applies to the debt relief space. And on Thursday, if you would join us again, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Uh, Pacific time, we will discuss the implication of the TSR rule on the credit repair companies. We hope to see you on Thursday as well. And by the way, you will use the same login information. So, as I mentioned, we're going to discuss the evolution and application of TSR on the debt settlement industry. Uh, we probably should discuss, it's probably not just the debt settlement industry, if you offer any other type of services that may relate to debt relief services outside of debt settlement, this may be applicable for you as well. And so here's a topic, topics for discussions. We will discuss the regulatory uh, scope of the TSR rule. We'll discuss the TSR advanced fee ban. We'll discuss what type of disclosures are required under TSR. And finally, Bianca is going to talk about TSR enforcement actions by the CFPB and the FTC in the debt settlement industries. So uh, if you are uh, joining us for the first time, uh, I could tell you that when I do these webinars, I always like to talk about the history. I think it's important for one to understand the history, the legislative history to be specific, uh, when it comes to any type of rules, rulemaking or laws. Um, it is critical for you to understand for you uh, as uh, whether you are an executive uh, compliance officer or an attorney in the space to understand what triggered the enactment of the telemarketing sales rule. And Believe it or not, the rule itself is nearly 25 years old. It was originally enacted in 1995. I know that many of you in the debt relief space think about the 2010 amendment, but you really don't realize that the rule was already 15 years old. And so the TSR was created to combat one of the greatest societal problems affecting older Americans, which is telemarketing fraud. If you're old enough to remember the uh, 1980s and 1990s movies involving telemarketing fraud, the sales of penny stocks, the sale of any type of uh, yeah, products or services that required individuals, consumers, and particularly even the elderly to open up their wallets and to pay money to a bunch of bad apples, TSR was the catalyst. TSR was the reason why we have that rule since 1995. And so when it was first enacted, the first version of TSR banned the abusive practice of collecting advanced fees for credit repair services, recovery services, 
and offers of a loan or other extensions of credit, granting of which is presented, guaranteed, or having high likelihood of success. So, as you can see, the rule that now is 25 years old goes back to credit repair companies, recovery services, and those who offer loans. That is correct. You cannot charge advance fees in those industries. And since 1995, the TSR prohibited credit repair companies from obtaining full payment until six months after they have fulfilled their promise to clean up credit histories. Now, that is something that you would want to join us on Thursday. I think that's a very interesting subject matter because we have seen a spike in cases, in enforcement cases filed by the CFPB in the past uh, two years. There were cases filed as, as recently as a few weeks ago against credit repair companies. Um, and while obviously during the webinar series, we're not in a position to discuss the merits of those cases, we can discuss the allegations made by the CFPB. So please join, again, a little plug for Thursday's second part of the webinar, but please join us for that. And as I mentioned to you before, obviously TSR has gone through a few amendments and the most notable one was in 2010, where, where it expanded the original purpose to protect the elderly, to include all those who are financially distressed and couldn't be harmed by deceptive debt relief services. Okay, now moving on to next. A little background, continuing with the background. Before the TSR amendment was enacted in 2010, the FTC had a long history of bringing enforcement actions against deceptive debt relief practices using Section 5 of the FTC Act, Federal Trade Commissions Act, which prohibits unfair and deceptive trade practices. Now, what caused, what triggered the FTC to propose and to promulgate the telemarketing sales rule? And the answer is the 2008 recession, the Great Recession. We could be a little cynical today and think about the Great Recession being a little too great considering that uh, as of the date of this webinar, which is June 9th, 2020, we <laughs> would miss the Great Recession. Anyway, um, look, uh, we've had in 2008, 2009, and obviously 2010 during the peak of the recession, we had a lot of consumers who found themselves in significant and material financial distress. So the federal government stepped in. And uh, in 2009, the FTC issued notice of proposed rulemaking on debt relief amendments to the TSR. And therefore, in 2010, uh, you know, following the creation of the CFPB and the passing of Dodd-Frank Act, the telemarketing sales rule as it currently exists uh, went into effect. And so debt relief service companies were added to the list of companies that the FTC, uh, that the FTC and now CFEB could bring a TSR enforcement actions against. Now, let's talk about another piece of federal legislation, which is not TSR, but it's important to discuss this uh, piece of legislation, and it is called Consumer Financial Protection Act of 2010. And it's important, it's important to note that the CFPB upon its creation following Dodd-Frank in 2010 was given the authority to file enforcement actions using TSR after its inception, right? Because a lot of times we think that only the FTC has, when I say we, I think a lot of people who I speak to in the debt relief space think it really, since it's the FTC rule, that only the FTC can enforce 
the rule against the industry uh, or against market participants. And that is not correct. And we'll actually talk a little bit more about who else could enforce it. So in 2010, the CFPA, the Consumer Financial Protection Act of 2010, gave the CFPB the power, the jurisdiction, the ability to prosecute those who are accepting advance fees and in violation of the T TSR. So what is the stated purpose of TSR, right? What really changed in 2010? And the key definition, definition that you see on your screen right now called debt relief service was now part of this rule. And debt relief service means any service or program represented directly or by implication to negotiate, settle, or anywhere alter the terms of payment or other terms of the debt between a person and one or more unsecured creditors or debt collectors, including but not limited to a reduction in the balance interest rate or fees owed by a person to an unsecured creditor or debt collector. All of this legal mumbo jumbo, as I like to say. Look, the bottom line is, if you are providing any type of service in reducing, settling, negotiating a consumer's, consumer's unsecured debt, you fall under the debt relief service and you cannot charge upfront fees. So what this definition, now inclusive in 2010 of the rule, does and ensures that regardless of the medium through which such services, such debt relief services, are initially advertised, telemarketing transactions involving debt relief services will be subject to TSR. Let's take this one step further. It doesn't matter in which medium, whether it's television, you're advertising, these services online or in person, you have to be mindful of the prohibition on advanced fees for debt relief services. What this now does, it mandates clear and conspicuous disclosures to consumers. It also prohibits misrepresentation of any type of debt relief services that you are advertising. And most significantly, TSR in 2010 prohibited and continues to prohibit any entity from requesting or receiving payment for debt relief services until, until such services have been fully performed, accepted, and documented to the consumer, right? Let's continue with the regulatory scope. I think it's important. We'll go into, in about a few minutes, we'll go into the more specific details of TSR. But here's something you should keep in mind if you're a marketing company, if you're an escrow agent, um, if you're a back office operator, you have to be mindful that under TSR, it is illegal to provide substantial assistance to another company if you know that that company deliberately ignores TSR. What does substantial assistance mean, right? You see the quotation marks. You have to know that you're providing services to another when that another violates TSR and you know about it and you're providing assistance in performing those services in violation of TSR. So that is, uh, that's pretty serious if you're not a debt settlement company or you're not a debt adjuster, but you're merely providing services. 
There are strict parameters establishing uh, dedicated accounts. And we'll talk about dedicated accounts or escrow accounts that are utilized to set aside funds for settlement and settlement company fees. TSR also has very specific and strict guidelines for the types of affirmations necessary before certain marketing claims can be made. And finally, something that a lot of people in the debt relief space forget, that this rule can be enforced by multiple regulators, multiple regulators. Do not forget that. It can be enforced by the FTC. It could be enforced by the CFPB. It can also be enforced by the attorneys generals of the various states, absolutely. More so, the TSR rule can be enforced through private litigation, a private cause of action, including class actions. That's right. It's not just a rule that can be enforced by the Federal Trade Commission or the CFPB. The states and private entities could also enforce it. Now, let's talk about advanced fee bans. What does it mean to not be able to collect an advanced fee? What is an advanced fee? And before collecting fees, you should remember these four bullet points. Uh, if you're a compliance officer, I would print it out and put it on your wall Keep in mind, this presentation obviously is recorded and will be available through our firm's website, but this is really important. So you must remember that a debt relief service provider must has to negotiate, settle, and reduce, or otherwise change the terms of at least one of consumer's debts. You have to negotiate, renegotiate, settle, or reduce, or otherwise change the terms. If you haven't done that, you can't collect a fee because you haven't performed anything. And if you collect a fee before renegotiating, settling, or reducing any type of consumer debt, any type of fee that you would collect may be deemed and most likely will be deemed to be an advance fee. Two, there has to be a written settlement agreement or debt, manage debt management plan or other agreement between a consumer and a creditor and the consumer has agreed to it. Okay, so you can't just say verbally, you cannot say to a consumer, oh, I was able to reduce your debt by 50 cents and a dollar or 50%. You need to provide a copy, a written document to that consumer and that consumer has to agree to it. If the consumer does not receive that written document and does not agree to it in writing, that's right, in a written form. Then any type of fee you collect in furtherance of you performing that service is an advance fee. It's very simple and straightforward. Third point, the consumer has made at least one payment to the creditor as a result of the agreement negotiated by the debt relief provider. It's a point that is absolutely critical as part of this analysis. You cannot say, here's some paperwork, I reduced your debt by, as I said in the previous example, 50 cents and a dollar, but by the way, here's my invoice. No, 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 you can't do that. The consumer has to have made at least one payment before you could collect a fee, obviously subject to the two previous bullet points outlined above. 
And, on, and the final point is concerning fees. The fee must be proportional. It must be proportional uh, to the consumer's total debt enrolled in the program. Um, I, we get asked a lot of questions. What is an appropriate fee? Because we've seen the fees vary, you know, anywhere from, you know, 15 to 20 cents to, to 20% to 30% of the total debt load. Uh, you have to look at the specific state statutory fee restrictions uh, and, and charge the clients, your clients, the fees that are appropriately stated in those uh, statutory um, outlines. Anyway, really quickly about dedicated accounts, nothing new. I'm sure you've seen it before, but let's repeat it one more time. TSR has the following five conditions for dedicated accounts. What are dedicated accounts? Accounts where consumers will send their funds to, out of which the settlement will be made, of which the fees will be collected. First, it has to be an insured financial institution. Two, the consumer owns the funds. Three, the consumer can withdraw the funds at any time without penalty. Four, the provider does not own or control or have any affiliation with the company administering the account. And five, the provider does not exchange your referral fees with the company administering the account. It's pretty straightforward. There's really nothing more to it that the TSR requires for dedicated accounts to be at financial, held at financial institutions, have clients, have control over it, and obviously avoid any type of potential conflict of interest between the companies that own the dedicated accounts and the actual debt settlement companies. Now, TSR disclosure, I literally took it, this, this part from our regulatory workshop that uh, our firm had in Irvine, California in November, 2019. And I think the TSR disclosures here are as clear and concise as you could get. Time, money, cost, restrictions, and rights. Time, there must be a reasonable basis for any estimate such as prior results. What does that mean? That means that you should not have someone who cannot afford the debt settlement program uh, enter into a program that's not realistic. That's not realistic. Uh, you know, what, what is realistic depends obviously on the actual consumer, on the ability to pay. But I've, I, I mean, I've come across some, you know, what I think are quite <laughs> out, uh, Rages, uh, limits. I've seen programs that would run for 10 plus years on unsecured debt of $25,000. I could tell you that that is not going to pass muster with TSR. Money. Client, your client must be told how much money they need to accumulate. You have to have in your written agreement specifically the amount of money that they should, or you should estimate that they should accumulate in the escrow account before making offers to creditors that are likely to result in settlements, right? Uh, very, very important point. Cost, well, it's a given. Client needs to not be notified, needs to understand the consequences of the failure to make timely payments to creditors, including damage to the credit report and scores, right? Restrictions, client must be notified of any materially restrictions and limitations or conditions on the services, right? 
um, you, if you have a, you know, you have to have a cancellation policy, but if there are fees associated with any cancellation policy, that has to be uh, clearly disclosed to your client uh, before entering the program. Uh, and finally, rights. The client must be notified of their rights regarding their dedicated accounts and how they, they own the funds held in account. That's right. The funds that are accumulated in those dedicated accounts are, is, are funds that belong to consumers. They do not belong to anybody else and they have to have control over it. Now, moving on to the enforcement side, who can enforce TSR? So something I already mentioned before, and if there's one thing that I want you to take away, obviously I hope it's a little more than one thing, but if there's one thing that I want you to take away from this uh, webinar is it's not just the FTC or the CFPB that can enforce TSR. It, the state attorney generals can and also individuals can and can seek damages and injunctive relief and remedies available in law and equity against companies that have taken advance fees. Please be mindful, that is one of the most important aspects of the TSR rule, that it's not just the FTC and since 2010, the CFPB that have the right and ability to enforce that, okay? Uh, and uh, now let's, uh, I'm gonna turn it over uh, to my colleague, Bianca Petku, and she's gonna discuss the examples of the FTC TSR, TSR enforcement actions in debt settlement. Thank you, Felix, for that great overview. It's gonna help a lot with talking about these cases. So first we're gonna talk about FTC enforcement cases, and then we'll get to the CFPB after. Um, these are definitely not the only cases that are out there, but we just picked a few examples. Um, there should be two of each. So the first case is FTC versus Debt Relief USA. The et all there is because there are a lot of defendants in this case and we didn't list them all. So just so you're aware of that. So this is actually a 2011 case from the FTC that is often seen as a catalyst for implementing the TSR amendment more heavily in the debt relief space. And I'll talk a bit more about that at the end. But so Debt Relief USA was a Florida company. It advertised, marketed, and distributed and sold debt relief services to consumers throughout the US. Uh, basically, the complaint alleges here that the defendants would claim that participation in their debt relief service program would result in the elimination of about 40 to 60% of consumers' debts, and that participating consumers would be debt-free within 24 to 48 months. And additionally, through their website and in national television and radio advertisements, the defendants allegedly made these unsubstantiated claims about their program success rate, and they would actually urge interested consumers to call a toll-free number for a free consultation and to enroll in their service, which seems quite normal. But when calling this number, uh, the defendant's sale representatives would typically tell consumers that in order for this service to work for them, the consumers have to stop making payments to creditors and cease communication with creditors. But a contradicting statement was the agreement that consumers would inevitably sign after this phone call contained a provision that stated, in no manner has DRUSA, Debt Relief USA, represented that the client stopped making payments to their creditors. So this is, for the FTC, was quite a red flag. Also, the complaint alleges that the defendants charged consumers fees, including administrative fees, monthly maintenance fees, and negotiation fees. 
Though the FTC found that most consumers did not even reach this negotiation fee stage and that most of the fees were often paid before any, any negotiation had even begun and consumers actually had to leave the program before even reaching the negotiation fee stage because they could not afford the program anymore. So this points back to that advanced fee ban that Felix was talking about where clearly there, the negotiation stage hasn't been met yet so that um, the FTC found that um, troubling. And in numerous instances, the complaint alleges that typically defendants did not even contact or initiate negotiations with any creditor until the consumers had paid that administrative fee in full and the consumers had accumulated enough funds in a set-aside account to settle a debt with the creditor. So the FTC filed this case because as you can see, there are quite a few issues throughout the complaint. Um, there's that misrepresentation issue. There is the lack of proper disclosure issue but perhaps most importantly, that advanced fee ban issue. And as I mentioned at the start of this case, though it only mentions within the complaint the FTC Act by name, uh, because you can see all, a lot of the issues that are mentioned throughout are TSR issues, the FTC has actually retroactively described this case as being a good example as to why advanced fee bans and truthful disclosures are vital to maintaining a healthy debt settlement industry. Um, and you can see on the slide that there's some monetary damages there and results, but actually most importantly is that the FTC banned this company from doing further business and banned its principles from marketing any financial products or services. So we'll go to the next slide for another example. So this case, FTC versus United Debt Counselors, is actually a bit more recent. And in the complaint, it actually mentions the TSR, unlike the other case. Um, so here, this company, United Debt Counselors, was a Texas debt relief company, which advertised, marketed, and sold debt relief services to consumers throughout the US. So while marketing their debt relief services, the complaint from the FTC alleges that defendants would misrepresent how many consumers successfully complete their program, how long it typically takes to successfully complete the program, and how much money consumers are likely to save by using these services. And additionally, according to the FTC, the defendants had very problematic mailers that they would send out. So they would use three different types of mailers and each with a similar form, it would look like a very important document from a bank or an attorney or an official source. And they would state that the consumer may lose money if they do not call the toll-free phone number provided within 10 days, which might shock some people if they receive mail like that. Also uh, on the defendant's website, they housed quite a few positive video recording testimonials that the FTC found did not contain any disclaimers um, saying that the results from the videos are actually atypical. There were no disclaimers saying what the consumer should actually expect from the program. So they, they included that in their complaint as well. The FTC also included that the defendants made misrepresentations in regard to consumer funds and their accounts. So when enrolling in the program, consumers were told that they would have to, they would have complete control over their account, which is what they should have. But once enrolled, the defendant would actually maintain access and use its consumers' accounts to withdraw its fees every month. Um, and none of the documents that, I, that the consumer received early in the process stated this advance fee for services or that the company was able to remove its fees automatically from the savings account. And it was actually not until the last document that the consumer was given to sign that the company finally disclosed that they would withdraw fees every month for the first 15 months of the contract period. So you could tell that it was a bit um, deceptive in a way, according to the FTC. 
And you, since this is a TSR case, the FTC filed with the TSR amendment included. Um, after investigating, the FTC found that the company does not actually have a high success rate that they claim to have, and that most consumers do not actually complete the debt relief program. And in numerous instances in connection with the telemarketing of these services, the defendant would request or receive payments of fees or consideration before any negotiations had even started or been made, which is similar to the other case. Um, and you can see the orders there of quite a lot of money, but um, importantly, the defendant was banned from making misrepresentations about debt relief and other financial products or services and making unsubstantiated claims about any products or services. So these are just two FTC cases. One is, uh, the first one was a bit before the TSR around the same time it was enacted. And the second one actually uses the TSR. So next we're gonna move on to the CFPB cases. Um, these are cases that you might know, they're a bit popular, but we're gonna discuss them anyway. So uh, CFPB versus Mission Debt Settlement. So this case is a debt settlement company in the New York, New Jersey area that would allegedly, according to the complaint, make materially false and misleading statements about the defendant's ability to help settle a consumer's debts and about the fees the defendant would charge in exchange for that help. So regarding this advanced fee misrepresentation, according to the complaint, defendants actually commonly lied about or would conceal the fees that they would take. So they would state verbally and in written solicitations that they would charge $49 a month and no upfront fees. But in practice, they would actually, in addition to that 49 month fee, allegedly, um, according to the CFPB, defendants would also charge an upfront fee equal to as much as 18% of the debt that the consumer owed. And they would just take those fees from that account. So they would be deducted from the monies that the consumer had already paid into that third party payment processor account. Um, here, the defendants also promised to help slash consumer debts, typically from somewhere around 45%. But according to the complaint from the CFPB, for the majority of customers, defendant, defendants actually did little or no work and failed to achieve any reduction in debt whatsoever. And additionally, this is kind of an interesting point in this case, but the reason you'll see at the bottom that there is a case with the DOJ, that the DOJ filed, is because according to the complaint from the CFPB, the defendants deceptively created an air of legitimacy for their business by falsely suggesting that they had affiliations with the federal government and with one of the three leading credit bureaus in the US. So similar to the last case we just discussed from the FTC, there are issues here with the TSR that you can clearly see um, from the allegations. There's the misrepresentation of success rate and increase in credit score they, that they claim after completion of the program a lack of disclosure, but most importantly, that advance fee was taken from a consumer's escrow account before any accounts had been settled or negotiation had even begun. So the end result here was with the CFPB, they permanently enjoined the company from continuing to violate the TSR through advance fees, and they ordered them to pay their various amount of fees. But most interesting, as I mentioned, there's the case against the attorneys here and mission debt settlement was referred as a criminal case to the US attorney. And the last case that we're going to discuss, for part one at least, um, is CFPB versus Morgan Drexen, which is another quite popular case in this area. So Morgan Drexen was a Nevada company that would provide debt relief services, mainly throughout Central California, not as widespread as other places. But 
So when the TSR was passed in 2010, this company had already been around, but they changed their practice from an attorney model to actually presenting consumers who signed up for the debt relief services with two contracts. So the CFPB is alleging they would give two contracts out, one for debt settlement services and one for bankruptcy related services, and consumers would sign both contracts, even though they were only really interested in the debt settlement services. So based on the investigation, the CFPB brought suit against Morgan Jackson, alleging that consumers who signed up sought services for debt relief and not bankruptcy, that little to no bankruptcy work was actually performed for consumers, and that the bankruptcy related contract that Morgan Drexen had presented to the consumers was, according to the CFPB's complaint, simply a ruse designated or designed to disguise impermissible upfront advance fees for debt relief work, which is quite strong language. So the CFPB alleged that the defendants violated the advance fee ban of the TSR because they would remove fees from the consumer's escrow accounts before renegotiating settling, reducing, or otherwise altering consumers' debts, which is what Felix discussed earlier. And the defendants also misrepresented to consumers that there would be no upfront fees when in fact they took upfront fees from consumers' escrow accounts through that bankruptcy contract. So that was kind of their workaround, according to CFP. Defendants also misrepresented through large TV, radio, internet campaigns that consumers who enrolled in their programs would be debt-free in a matter of months, not years, months, a statement that could not, according to the CFPB, be supported by the company's internal statistics and success rates. So the end result here was that this company, Morgan Drexen, was prohibited from collecting advance fees and required to pay a hefty $132 million in, million dollars in restitution and a $40 million civil penalty. So these are just a few cases. They're not, definitely not all of the cases out there, but they're most interesting. They outline the TSR pretty well, and you can see it pretty clearly what the issues are here. And this, again, is just in the debt relief space, but we'll go over more cases in part two on Thursday with credit repair and how um, the TSR is used there. So, yeah. Thank you, Bianca. So here's the information about part two. So mark your calendars. It'll be at the same time on Thursday. Um, and um, we hope to see you there. And finally, uh, as I always have the slide at the end of all of our presentations, a little about us. Uh, if you're new, we provide uh, regulatory and legal services um, uh, to companies in the space. Uh, we provide both regulatory and litigation services. You could visit shipkovich.com for more information. Uh, we also always recommend to subscribe uh, to our firm's uh, news information site, uh, debtreliefwatch.com. That's going to route you to our subdomain, shipkovich.com, and you can get uh, information uh, about uh, the debt relief space, uh, not just the legal and regulatory information, but also information about our webinars, podcasts, and uh, anything else uh, concerning the debt relief space that probably uh, would be useful to you. Well, as always, thank you to Jay Mangiello from Limit Break um, Digital Marketing and Designs for helping us put this uh, webinar together. And here's our information. Uh, thank you again for your participation and we look forward to seeing you uh, part two uh, of this uh, webinar series on Thursday, June 11th at 2 p.m. Eastern, uh, 11 a.m. Pacific time. Thank you and have a great day.